I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 4. I wanted to speak to you this morning. To me, this is like a Christmas Sunday. We just celebrated Christmas yesterday and the coming of Jesus um, as a baby born through a virgin, the Son of God come into the world. What, What a demonstration of love that was for us and that God's desire to save us and to rescue us. That's why he came. And so I wanted to just celebrate this this morning. Whatever God is and all that God is, he is without limit. Our concepts of measurement embrace mountains and men, atoms and stars, gravity, energy, numbers, speed, but never God. We cannot speak of measure or amount or size or weight And at the same time, be speaking of God. For these tell of degrees, and there are no degrees in God. God is above all this. God is outside of all of this. God is beyond all of this. And though he is above it all, outside it all, he is also within it all, sustaining it and filling it. He is beneath it, upholding it. And he is above it in glory and preeminence. All that he is, he is without growth or addition or development. There is nothing in God that is less or more or that is large or small. He's never learned anything. He's never discovered anything. He's never figured anything out. He just knows. He just knows it without effort. He's never grown. He's just eternal God. He is what he is in himself. Nobody made him that. Nobody gave that to him. He has just eternally existed as that. And for such, he is God. He is what he is in himself without qualifying thought or word. He is just simply God. God cannot change for the better. Since he is perfectly holy... He has never been less holy than he is now. And he can never be holier than he is and has always been. Neither can God change for the worse. Any deterioration within the unspeakably holy nature of God is impossible. Indeed, I believe it impossible even to think such a thing. For the moment we attempt to do so... The object about which we are thinking is no longer God. You've created something else that is not him. And it is something certainly less than he. For not even your thoughts can begin to give glory to God the way he deserves. God is immutable. And the Bible teaches us that immutability means this. He never changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is what the book of Hebrews chapter 1 assures us of. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thus attributing to Jesus the very attribute of God. That he is the unchangeable one. And though this God can never change, never fluctuate, never diminish or increase. In anything pertaining to God, this one which the Bible calls a mystery, became a baby. He became a man. 
And he was the light of the world. And when we sat in darkness, he came. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. It's almost like the sun rising. I think this is very interesting. I'd like to define the word darkness and light here for you. And if you would like to take some of these notes down, I think it would be very interesting. The word darkness here means ignorance. Ignorance respecting divine things and human duties. And that's where men were. They were sitting in darkness. They were sitting in ignorance. They were ignorant of the divine things of God. They were ignorant of their human duties. There are people that are going to sit in our churches all over this world today in darkness. They're going to go to church. They're going to sit there before God, but they're going to be ignorant of the divine life that is right before them and the responsibility they have as a human. The darkness also means that which accompanies ungodliness and immorality. Together, as he says, sitting there in verse 16, the region and shadow of death. That means you're on the edge, the precipice, if you will, of hell. And that's where it is. And it says that is the consequence of darkness's end, which is hell. And that's the definition of darkness. But it says great light is common, verse 16. And the word light means truth with its knowledge. And the spiritual purity that is associated with truth. That which exposes. That's what light is. Light exposes. Light reveals. It's light which gives everything its beauty. If you turn the lights off then there's no color. There's nothing. And so this is what light is. And this is the light that came. It is the power of being. And that's important. The power of being spiritual truth and purity. So in John chapter 1, there's further information about this light that has come. And I want us to read it. And he says in the gospel of John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now there's a different addition to this word darkness here in Matthew chapter 4 it talked about what men sat in they sat in ignorance they sat ignorant of their responsibilities for God and their responsibility toward God they sat in misery that's where they sat. But in John, it says that he came into this light and this light shined in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. It's a little bit different. It's an addition to the word darkness. And it, it certainly means the ignorance of divine things. It means wicked. It means miserable. But it also means the absence of light. It speaks of a power. It speaks of something that is animate, animated, something that has life, that is actually trying to contend with something that is influencing it. And so that is important to understand because I believe it's referring to the power of Satan and the kingdom of Satan. And this word light in John chapter 1 is the same word for light in Matthew 4. 
And it is not only that which reveals and exposes, but it is that one light, that one life. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing. It's unique all to itself. And the Bible says that we are the light of the world, but it's only because that light shines in us. That's the only reason. And apart from that light, no man has light. So nobody gave Jesus his light. He is that in himself. And so when God was incarnate as a baby born of a virgin and would grow to be a man, he did not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I will not even begin to attempt to explain that because my mind can't. But when he came, he came. He's the light of the world and he's the life of men. And he came to expose the darkness. And the word there, darkness, comprehended it not. What this means is, is that the darkness tried to lay hold of this light in the sense of possession. The darkness tried to possess it and make it its own, but it couldn't. The darkness quickly came in the Garden of Eden and possessed that man and made that man his own. He took the woman and made her his own. He took the nations of the world and made them his own. He's taken all of humanity and made it his own. In 1 John, we find that John says that the whole world lies in the embrace of the evil one. But this one born of a virgin 2,000 years ago was the life of men and the light of the world. And darkness could not make that its own. Satan came and tempted him. Satan came and attacked him. Satan came with every desire to entice him. But there was nothing in Jesus that Satan had access to. Because there's no darkness in Jesus. He wasn't given light. He is light. He is spiritual purity. He is spiritual knowledge. He doesn't give truth. He is truth. And when he gives himself to people, then they have truth. Not just knowledge, they have truth, they have life, they have light. Something fundamental really begins to happen in them. So the darkness tried to lay hold of this light and make it its own. When it realized that it wasn't able to do that, then the darkness began to work in a different way. It tried to overtake the good that was in Jesus. It tried to silence or remove its effect Upon the kingdom that was working against it. It tried to hide it or even prevent the light. But it was unable. Darkness couldn't do it. Darkness was defeated by the light that came into the world. God became a man. While the creatures of earth walked unaware. Divinity arrived on earth. Heaven opened herself and placed her most precious one. The darling of heaven in the womb of a human woman. The omnipotent one, the one with all power in one instant made himself breakable and able to bleed. He who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became a baby. He who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. He came not as a flash of light or as an unapproachable conqueror. Most didn't even notice his arrival. Even when heaven announced it, many would not believe. 
But he came and his first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. The hands that first held him were unmanicured, calloused and dirty. There was no silk, no ivory, no hype, no party. You can clean the manures around the manger. You can wet, wipe the sweat out of his eyes. It's easy to stomach the Son of God that way. But that's not the way he came. There was manure everywhere. There was sweat and dirt and mud everywhere. And the smell of animals and filth was everywhere. And that's the way he came and that's the way he wanted to come. He came into our world. He came into this place. And he came to lift us from it to bring us to his place. So let Jesus be human. Because he is. He became human. God became human. But he never stopped being God. Because he cannot change. He is immutable. And the immutable God became a man, but never ceased to be God. But absolutely human in every way. And our minds just cannot get around that. Listen to him. The one who said, love your neighbor, was attacked and betrayed by his neighbors and eventually killed. The challenge to leave your family for the gospel was done by this one who after 30 years serving in carpenter's shop kissed his mother goodbye and went into his ministry. Pray for those who persecute you came from the lips of one that would soon be begging God to forgive his murderers. He didn't ask you to do what he was unwilling to do. He did it. In becoming a man, God made it possible for men to see God. And when Jesus went home, He opened the gates to his city. And as a result, we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And as Miss Rhea was saying to us this morning, we're ready for our new bodies and we're going to get them very, very soon. So I want to go back to Matthew chapter 4 for just a moment. And I want to just bring this out to us. And it says, they that sat in darkness have seen great light. And that is the light of Jesus Christ when he came into the world. They've seen great light. Now, we know, obviously, that everybody in the world that has been exposed to this light has not chosen to walk in it. Most people have chosen not to walk in this light. Jesus said that to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, that men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And they ran to the darkness to hide in the darkness, in the kingdom of Satan, in misery and hell and defeat, living on the precipice of hell itself, the shadow of death, waiting to be dropped into it. And only that God that they're running for is the one who gives them the grace to live another day day and breathe another breath and that's the one they're running from into a greater misery and a greater hell than the one that they're living in but there are those that have been exposed to the light and turned to the light and to those that turn to the light their deeds are exposed that they are in fact evil and they are forgiven and they are born again And these are the ones that are redeemed of him. Though he would redeem them all. He does not force all to come to this light. But I just thought it was really interesting that they sat in darkness. The world that Jesus came into was very gross and very corrupt. The Roman world and the Jewish world both. And the Greek world was absolutely filled with 
all types of corruptions that we deal with today, from the murder of babies to all types of murders and injustice and political corruption and crime and murder in the streets and fear everywhere and brothels and everything that you could possibly imagine, superstar status and and events and sports and money and finances and business pursuits and everything without God. The world was filled with it, slavery and everything was going on in the world that Jesus came into. Men were in the darkness of bondage and the darkness of faith and the darkness of moral perversity. And the Bible says they sat there because when you are sitting in absolute darkness, you really have no alternative but sit. It's too dangerous to move. You don't know what the next step is. You don't know what is around you. When you're in absolute darkness, that means absolute defeat. Absolute bondage, absolutely no way out. When a man sits in darkness, he's lost hope. He's lost all hope of believing anything else could be different. He's lost hope of being able to pull himself up by his bootstraps and find another way. He has no other way. He has no other hope. He is in darkness and he doesn't know where he is or what's around him. And it was in that darkness that the light of God came into the world. To give men hope, to tell men where to go, to show men how to walk, to give men the escape, to be the escape for men. Light was the life. It was the escape. He is the escape. He is the way out. Jesus didn't come when men seemed hopeful because they were unable to move. By the power of darkness, they were bound. Jesus didn't come when men were seeking God or asking for him. Doesn't say they were sitting in darkness crying for help and crying for relief. They were just sitting in darkness. It wasn't men seeking God. It was God seeking men. And not one of you will live or die this life and go to heaven or hell. And if it would be hell and God forbid, you will ever be able to say to God, but you did not come to me because beloved light came to you. Jesus has come to you. He's even coming to you right now with light shining upon your life. You can choose it or not choose it. You can receive it or not receive it. He didn't come when we were asking for him or seeking him. He came because he was seeking us. People don't look around in the dark for things that they've lost because you can't see. You're looking for light to go look for that for which you've lost. But the light came. And that tells me this, that Jesus is not afraid of where you are. For you living today, he's not afraid of where you are. He's not afraid of the things that have gone on in your life. He's not afraid of your secrets. He's not afraid of the things that you're afraid of. You're afraid of people finding out things about you. You're afraid of what enemies can do to you. You're afraid of today. You're afraid of tomorrow. You're afraid of viruses. You're afraid of the loss of jobs. You're afraid of inflation. You're afraid of political corruption. You're afraid of what is going on in the world. You're afraid of the troubled times. Jesus is not. Jesus continues to let his light shine in this dark hour, giving men hope that they don't have to walk in darkness and they don't have to sit in defeat. 
He's not afraid. He's not afraid of the darkness that you're in. He's not too scared to enter into it because though you may be beaten, he is not. And though you may have been defeated, he comes to you with victory. He's not afraid of your condition. He's not afraid of what your abuse has made you. He's not afraid of how angry we are. And he knows that you're angry and he knows that you're bitter and he knows that you're hurt and he knows that you're wounded and he's not afraid of your wounds and he's not afraid of your anger He's not afraid of your abuse. You don't scare him. He comes to you as the triumphant king and the victor in life and light to heal you and to deliver you and to free you from your anger and your bitterness and your abuse and all of the wounds that nobody else can heal and all the wounds you try to drink away or enjoy yourself out of and they keep coming to you when you're alone. Jesus wants to heal you of that. He comes into the midst of it where men would run because they're terrified of your problem. And men do not know how to even begin to help you. Jesus runs to you because he can help you. He will help you. He's helped millions of people like you. Your story is no different than others. You're not the one that has come into earth and lived the most unique life that no other human has ever lived. There are those who have had it better than you. And there are those that have had it worse than you. But nobody's had it good. But Jesus Christ was the answer. For everyone. That walked out. Out of the bondage. Out of the darkness. Out of the pain. Out of the wounds. Out of the abuse. Jesus Christ was that one key factor and answer. And he is that for you. And so I encourage you to that. I want you to understand this too, that if we're going to honor this great king of ours and this light that has come into the world, and I was sensing, I had the opportunity, and I'll probably say this a little bit in the next service, but I was sensing in in my spirit the grief of the Holy Spirit in the world today. And, And I know that I'm a cause of that as well, because I know that I grieve him. But I was just sensing the grief of the Holy Spirit in this world today because the world is increasing in its darkness and men are becoming worse. And Jesus has entrusted to us as the church to be the light of the world. The light, that light, that one true light, that life, that one true life has come to live in us. And yet we are not very evangelical. We have a very difficult time. We, we, we want to tell people about Jesus, but it's not about that. It's not about being professors of religion. It's not about learning this process of how you can share the gospel with somebody. Those things are great and they're certainly beneficial. But if I can, I'd like to close with this. Two scriptures beginning in Acts 26. And I, this, this is Paul's testimony. And Paul was a man who walked in darkness. He was trying to put the light out. But he couldn't. And the light saved him. And the life saved him and came into him. And he became a light. But he didn't become a light because he discovered who Jesus was. And he went to a school and learned about Jesus and learned about the gospel. Because being light and being this testimony in these last days... And I would pray we would desire this with all of our hearts so that we could bring the Lord 
great joy in these last moments of time. This is what Paul said. This is his testimony as he's before Agrippa. And he said in verse 15, and I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. But rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared unto you for this purpose. And I just want to highlight those next three words. To make you. And how many of you would just sit there today this morning. And just begin to pray. God make me this. Paul didn't make himself that. But the darkness is increasing in our world. Not because the light has become less. Not because the light has lost its power, its brightness, but it, because that one true light never does. It can't increase or decrease. But it's, it's, it's those that contain the light. And I just want to ask you, just begin to pray that. He said, I will make you a minister and a witness. And don't you want to be both? Don't you want to be a minister and a witness? Because there's a lot of people who can talk about Jesus, but their life doesn't witness of him. But God said to Paul, I'll make you a minister and a witness, both of these things. And these are the two things that you're going to be a witness and a minister of. What you've seen, because he saw Jesus alive. And of those things in the which I will appear unto you. And you're going to be a minister and a witness of those two things. And Paul said, and, and John would go on to say this, and Peter would also bear witness with it. Paul said, I won't build on any other man's foundation. I will go and lay my own foundations, and that's what I will build. And I will build upon this testimony of Jesus Christ. And Peter and them said, we can only speak of what we've seen and heard. And John said in his epistle, that which we've seen and heard and our hands have handled, that's what we talk about, the word of life. How many of you here this morning are really influenced by the light itself? Or how many of you are influenced by the light that is in other people? And you don't have that direct influence of the light of Jesus Christ. Paul had the direct influence of Jesus. And God wants to give all of us that. And he wants to make us a witness of that. Not just a minister of those things. But a witness of those things. That you would go out into this world and say. I want to minister and witness to you. Of what I've seen. And what I've touched. And what I've handled. And honestly. And and I I would say the overwhelming majority of Christianity. There are very few people that are going to gather in churches today. That have had any real contact with Jesus this past week. A lot of people went to church. A lot of people read their Bibles. A lot of people said prayers. But actual contact with Jesus this week. There's probably going to be a lot of Christians that go to church. Just didn't have that. And I want Jesus to make me that. Because he came into this world to overcome darkness. And he's still doing that. And I want him to do that through us. I want us to be a church that will give him great delight and pleasure in this coming year. And he says this in verse 17. Delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you. So God is sending Paul to these people and this is what he's going to have the power to do. And I'm make this your prayer because this is wonderful. To open their eyes. God will give you the power to do that for people. You open their eyes. 
and to turn them from darkness to light. God is going to give you the power to do that. That's the power he gave Paul. And from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And I, and I, I just... I just ask you as we close this morning and rejoice in the fact that the light has come into the world of darkness. And that light is still here. Jesus said the night is coming when no man can work. But the night is not here yet. It might be falling. I mean, all of us can tell when the day is ending. And all of us can tell if we're outside, you know, it's like the sun's going down and it's not going to be light much longer. And so if you're having things to do outside, you know, you got to hurry up and get it done, right? And Jesus gives us that analogy that night is coming again and the darkness is coming back. And there's going to come a day when it is no longer day and it is night and no man can work. And and I think that we might sense in ourselves that the night is falling on this world. And the darkness is increasing. And so the sun is going down and the night is coming. We need to work With great diligence, with great faith, we need to work now and we need to serve him and we need to do everything we can do and get all of the harvest in that we can possibly get in because men don't harvest at night. At least maybe now with our modern inventions, we can because of the lights that we can install on our machinery and in our on the farms. But, you know, for most of history, men did not harvest at night. And so this is the time to do it. And I I just ask you, don't just celebrate the fact that Jesus came. If you really love the fact that Jesus came, then why don't you just make an altar where you are right now and begin to pray, Lord, what you did for Paul, do that in me. In this last moment, make me a minister and a witness. Let me have a direct relationship with Jesus Christ. Let this light come into me so that the darkness is scattered and the darkness that I have, because I feel like there are things in my life that I'm hopeless about, that I'm weary, that I'm tired. I feel like there's no way out. I feel like nothing's ever going to change. I feel like nothing's ever going to happen with me. I'm all of these things. But Lord, let this light come to me in my darkness. Just let it come. Just begin to pray. I'm praying with you right now. Just begin to pray that. Let this light come to me. Let me see hope. Let me see life. Let me see liberty. Let me know that you're my way out. You're my shepherd who leads me. And I want to celebrate this light that has come to me and given me freedom. And I want to celebrate it by giving my life to you, Jesus. And what you did for Paul, do for me. Make me a minister and a witness. Make me that. Give me authority and give me power in the Holy Spirit. So that I can open the eyes of people. I can turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. They might be able to repent and they might be able to be free from their sin and their iniquities, God, and that there would be nothing between you and them anymore. Help me bring that harvest in, for I am very aware that the night is falling. I'm very aware that the time is at hand and, and Lord, your spirit is working so strongly and As we celebrate the coming of Jesus, we are also very aware of his second coming is upon us. And we're the church glorious in this hour, God, to be your great servants in this moment of time. And let us celebrate you and and give you the glory for that, God. 
and give you delight. And may we as a church be pleasing to your heart. May we be a place, God, that really pleases you, that loves one another, that walks in the light itself.